0: truth no, no 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 see the way society is built today like a trap built in a way that keeps you in the dark because if your light shines through you might figure out who what you are a magnificent being don't be scared of that do not be scared that's why i'm here to help you remember the power is within good morning good evening good afternoon depending where you're at on this beautiful planet or this amazing universe mark sanchez here with the amazing dr isella garcia where today, we're going to talk about, like, um, is it what thoughts and feelings and how we were culturally um, conditioned to feel certain ways and to think certain ways and how we see different perspectives on that um, in this day and age from where we stand and sitting at today. Um, did I touch on that really well right
1: now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that happened recently, you know, I do a lot of work around culture, race, and identity. And I have to tell you, I'm not at all the expert. But... Um one of the things that have really come up for me personally is really understanding how our culture and our identity within our culture intersects with I mean every, our spirituality, our engagement with um you know the dominant culture and the impact of being brown uh showing up in a world whose ex- expectations of behavior um, are different than what we have been raised with culturally. So what I want to do, I, just to start us off now, if as a listener to this podcast, I'm going to drop a link at the bottom in the description of this podcast, where you can take a look at this idea of, um, culture being like an iceberg. And when I say culture, what do people mostly think of? What do you think, Mark?
0: Oh, um, the type of shit you eat, yeah. right? The way you, the way you dress, right? right? The way you carry yourself, um, the types of games you play, you know what I mean? The types of words you use, depending on what part of the country you come from, yeah. even within that country. So, like, just say if I'm from Mexico, if somebody that's from a different part of Mexico is going to have a little bit different culture than another person that's in Mexico, right? And yeah. then we come to the United States, right? And then they think we're all the same. Right. <laughs> that makes
1: sense. You know, what's so funny about that? Um, (laughs) You know, I grew up in South Phoenix, and um, most of my time in South Phoenix, and there is a way that my family speaks. Now, my my dad is originally from Mexico. um, As you know, obviously, my dad's side of the family, he came to Arizona when he was young, he was probably eight or nine years years old. And um, in Glendale, Um, I had a group of friends or from Glendale whose Spanish sounded different than the Spanish that I grew up listening to. And that's like a matter of like 20 minute drive. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, what are you saying? Like, I don't even understand you. And we're all speaking Spanish. And culturally, even when we talked about our food, and you know, how the tamales are made and how they it's like, it was so uniquely different. And we're literally 20 minutes from one another
0: that make that that is is so funny That is so funny because when i was in school right in high school i was excited because i was gonna learn spanish right i was gonna learn spanish and then when i started learning spanish um from high school right and we learned proper spanish quotations right proper spanish so when i came home and tried to talk to my family like what the fuck are you saying (laughs) what (laughs)
1: what What do you mean (laughs) <laughs> it happened to me too. It totally <laughs> so happened funny. to me. I took it at. I was going to ASU, and I remember my instructor was like, "Well, if you go home and talk to your family like this, maybe they'll learn something." I'm like, "My family ain't gonna know what the hell I'm talking about." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Randall yeah, so was like, "Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna keep this shit to myself. I'm still gonna get my good grades. I'm gonna get my 110 percent, which I got. But guess what? I didn't learn anything, right? And, and and it didn't stick because I was scared to speak this to my family, right? Yeah. Like." Imagine being bashed within your own culture for not being able to speak Spanish properly, right? Yeah. When on the real side of it, they weren't speaking it properly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that is so true. And I have to tell you, that's the hard part. I think for us, it's like we're not brown enough, and we're not like we're we're too brown on one side, and we're not brown enough on within our own culture, right? Yeah, um,
0: that is so funny.
1: So when we think about culture, that's often what folks um consider when we are just even like Cinco de Mayo I always think about that with Cinco de Mayo you know most Mexicans like Mexicans from Mexico are like what the hell Cinco de Mayo we don't celebrate that shit (laughs) I'm like it's another reason to drink like it's not it's not a a lot of people think it's Mexican Independence Day it's not It was a little, it was a little um, uh, victory in a little Pueblo in Mexico. That's all it was. And so there's all these misconceptions around culture. And what I want folks to hear is that race is, is a made up construct And so it was created as a way to and it was based on physical descriptions and it was based on our characteristics of our hair, our nose, our eyes, um, how far apart our eyes were, the color of our skin. And it was really a way for the dominant culture to stay dominant, to put this is, you know, white folks are here and then the others are here. And um, so it was made up, and that's a really important thing for us to consider. Now, we have these cultural roots, and when we think of culture, I want us to consider going beyond, you know, it's that iceberg, that very tip of the iceberg of what we typically will consider or think about when we're thinking about culture. When we go deeper into understanding culture... It's really things like um, how we handle emotions, our facial expressions, our concepts of time, um, even how we make decisions. What, you're going to say something about time? <laughs>
0: yeah, you say that time man, because I'm Native American too, right? And so they say, oh, she's running on Indian time, meaning this mother lover is going to be late probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's CP and it's just time. So funny. Have you heard of yeah. that?
1: CP time?
0: CP? Yeah. What does that mean?
1: color people time.
0: That's, okay. So yeah,
1: <laughs> same thing. Yeah. And we'll get, um, there we get there. And how many times have I said, you know, like when I had a party for my daughter or whatever, and I'm like, I say five o'clock, my family don't show up till six. And I'm, I'm actually depending on that. Like I'm depending on them not to show up till six, because if I tell them six o'clock, they won't come till seven. But lo and behold, my white friends show up at five and I'm like, no, <laughs> That wasn't the the time you're all supposed to show up.
0: (laughs) That is so so funny that you say that because I'm always the early bird, right? Because I was conditioned through school and my mom said, hey, you always got to show up on time. You got to be respectful, right? And you just said that your white friend showed up on time. So guess what? I got labeled that every time I showed up, right? Oh, you know, Mark's going to show up on time because you be hanging with them white folks. <laughs>
1: you be hanging with them white folks. So let's, <laughs> and let's talk about that for a minute because, you know, within our culture, I think, and, you know, my husband's black and we have, the, we have this conversation all the time about this perspective of if you get to places on time, if you have these certain behaviors, if you meditate, if you go do yoga, that's all white people shit. You know, it's this idea that you're trying, anytime we're trying to do something different or try to improve ourselves, the perception is sometimes that, you know, you're trying to be white. Have you, have you had that experience, Mark?
0: Yeah. You know, it's that, that spirituality thing, right? It's yoga. And when people, here, here's the thing, is a lot of people are not educated in this area, right? They didn't pick up a book. They had, they don't know other people's cultures and where other where things came from in the past, right? So when they hear yoga, they think it's somebody that um, goes and has a lot of extra time and money, right? Like it costs money to go and do these types of things. So let's talk about that money aspect, right? So in order to meditate, in order to have yoga, you gotta have a lot of time to your hands because you're not hustling, bustling, and the only way you're not gonna be hustling and bustling is because you're white and you're um, of privilege, right? Right. And so when you hear yoga, right, a lot of people thought it was just a bunch of, uh, what do you say, fancy white women getting together, right? On their yoga mat and trying to be nice, cool, common collective, right? And that's the idea, right? That's the tip of the iceberg, right? Like it's some new thing that just happened, but people don't realize that this has been practiced from century to century to century. Yet, nobody in our family, right? And my culture growing up taught me about these types of things, right? They didn't show us this. We were taught this the way it is, and that's it. Anything else outside of this little box means the white people invented it. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because yoga is so
0: not white. <laughs> no, it is not. Now it's been it's been maybe we could say whitewashed a little white-washed, bit. Right. Absolutely. Maybe it's yeah. been taken and recycled and put like this is only a certain type of person that does this. But that's so far from the truth. Right. That's the tip of the iceberg. And what we've been taught in our cultures, right, is we don't go very deep, right? When you get to the, the 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 more depths of this iceberg down here, there's a lot more to it than just what's at the tip. But since we're taught that what's at the tip, if I could see it, that means it's real. If I hear about it all the time, that means it's real. If I could smell it, that means it's real, right? And other besides that, it, it it doesn't even matter. But it, the more and more we dig, the more and more we go ask our own questions, holy smokes, you're going to realize this iceberg is way deep down into the ocean, right?
1: Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I think can be a struggle as you're trying to grow and develop, um, sometimes, and I think this is one of those deep subconscious things. Um, folks don't want you to change folks no. don't want they want you to stay within the norm and 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 the way and we we say that it's a part of the culture like that it's it's who we are as a culture and i you know one of the things that i struggled with was child rearing not How to because, you know, I was in education for 18 years before I had my daughter and I specialized in trauma because I experienced trauma as a child. And so my my goal as a mother was to not do what was done to me. Because what was done to me, and I have to tell you that, what was done to me, I continue to see within my family, my my, my extended family. And I wanted to change that script. I wanted my daughter to have a positive sense of self. I wanted her to feel um, like she could uh, be true to herself, that she didn't have to, you know, one of the big things in, in my family, and I think within our culture, is that whole machismo that comes in relationships with men. And I, and so I wanted her to be able to stand true to what she wants, um, to be able to speak up to a man that sometimes, again, in my family, men are in control, men are in the power of the relationship. So I wanted my daughter to be able to speak up, um, be true to herself, uh, you know, and, and be able to have good what we call self-regulation. And so I had a, an intention when I had her, having worked for years and years and years in the field of um, trauma and early childhood education. And so I have my baby. And all of a sudden, my family is like, you need to do this. And you need to do this. And dah, dah, dah. and these were all old cultural beliefs that actually are were more damaging than helpful. And it's hard to break away from that. If you don't know or have a strong sense of why you're doing what you're doing, even if it's a gut instinct, like I need to respond to my child when she's crying, they would say to me, no, miha, don't, if you pick her up too much, you're going to spoil her. Well, the research in, in terms of brain research says over and over again that you can't spoil a baby, that you have to comfort and connect with the baby, you know, when the baby is crying. And so to be able to stand against those cultural norms can be really, really hard.
0: So, so now when you say child rearing, that might be above my cultural understanding. You're speaking those um, definitions that might come from those white people. So can you uh, can you clarify
1: that for me? Please? Parenting. It's just
0: parenting. How we parent children. Parenting. Okay. so yeah. that, Okay. There we go. So that means anything from if we spank them or yeah. if we let them suffer and scream their heads off right. or if we give them candy in order to shut them up yeah.
1: and things of that nature. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's,
1: yeah. um. <laughs> you know, one of those big cultural things. Here's another big one. You know, we uh, and this is, and when I say this, it's not every single person who is a Mexican or Mexican-American does this because it's not, that's not true. But one of the things I grew up with was fear. Like the families would impose fear that somebody, the kukui was going to get you if you went to the back of the house. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Llorona. La La <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And
1: so we would impose fear so our children would act right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. We were scared of two things, the Kukui and the Chancla. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so, you know, then I say, you know, I'm not going to use the chunkla on my kid and I'm not going to use fear as a way to try to get her to act right. I'm going to actually teach her ways to regulate and know how to make good decisions because these are better decisions to make. That's a longer process than throwing a chunkla, you know, across the room and hitting her in the head. And folks look at me like I have lost my mind or I'm trying to be white.
0: Oh, you're trying to be white. You know what I mean? And, and man, this is such a touchy subject, right? Because in some cases, there's a difference between getting um, spanked and then beat, right? Oh I, my,
1: dogs. You're <laughs> pulling me into, <laughs> pull me into a rabbit hole.
0: I know. No. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what I mean? But people will make this argument, right? They will make this argument, you know? And I, I, I really feel like, There there came a time in my life because I got spanked a lot and I also got beat, right? My mom feared. My mom ruled with an iron fist, right? But it got to the point to where my mom didn't even have to spank us no more. She could just look, right? Or she could just say our names and that was it, right? Like she didn't have to spank us anymore, right? Um, But it got to that point to where we were scared, right? She ruled with fear, right? And in the long term, when I look at it, okay, It it, it helped me learn to be on time. It helped me to not say what. It it allowed me to say, "How can I help you?" It allowed me. It taught me my um, the things that I really needed to learn. But deep down inside, farther down than the iceberg, right, it, it, it created emotional trauma that people don't realize that came from the way we were parented. Right on the surface, it looks like it was okay, and I turned out fine. I'm not out and about shooting people and blah blah blah. But deep down inside of my emotional well-being, it was fucked up, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it turned out not the greatest, right? And thank God, thank the universe, thank Spirit for science now, right? Thank them for the um the, the um science that gives us the ability to look into the development of a child's brain when they go through these types of trauma. Because now, fortunately, we have um, individuals as yourself that learn to um do this parent rearing a little bit different right
1: yeah the um yeah so it works on the surface it's what you just described on the surface Mm -hmm. can I look across the room you know and my child be you know know that they better stop doing what they're doing is different than them understanding this is not the good that this is not the right thing to do and what I describe it's like you know you know when we would say oh the teacher's coming the teacher's coming or the cops are coming. The cops are coming. Like, <laughs> that shouldn't be why we choose to act right. Exactly. Like, we should choose to act right because that's the right thing to do. And and so this is part of this how we approach and support children and moving away from those old cultural belief systems can be really challenging. And um and again, you know, we're looked at. And this, I'm going to slide into spirituality now because it's not just how we parent our child, but it's moving away from, you know, our religion, um, the parts of our religious or the cultural religious parts of our, I don't know. It's like, it's weird because I didn't grow up like totally and completely Catholic, but was influenced by Catholicism within the culture. And so when you go away from that and you start talking about um, you know, meditation or you start talking about spirit instead of God. Um, and there's nothing wrong with God, but you know, we often will say connecting with spirit, and you know, folks look at you like, you know, oh, where are you going with that? <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, the cuckoo got a hold of you, you're speaking like him now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And so it, I think it can be again, super challenging. And what I want folks to just hear is that um, you're not alone and you're not alone in this shifting of awareness because that's what it is. It's shifting um, an awareness of our beliefs, how our cultural experiences have influenced those beliefs and values it's not like we're turning away from our culture. And sometimes it I think people feel that way and it keeps them paralyzed.
0: Ooh, you know, and that's, that's a really hard thing for people, right, is that culture. It's because we're, we're tribal people. We like to fit in, right? And if we can't fit in with our own families, who are we going to fit in with? Not realizing that some of these traditions, a lot of these traditions were passed down through people, right? And so what I hear people say a lot is, I rule my life, I do what I want to do, not realizing when they stick to traditions that a bunch of dead people are ruling their lives. Yeah. Right? And this shit, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it, it 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 wasn't helpful for the time it was needed. But here we are in the 21st mother loving century, right? And look at the state of the world. And if we keep doing the things the way our ancestors did, and let's just say even white people's ancestors, What's going to be left? It has to be a different way of thinking, right? It has to be that awareness that rises above all, right? Like war, for instance, right? We obviously learned that it's not working, right? Beating your kids obviously didn't really work. You still got badass kids running around in the streets, right? Now, when we take the opportunity to learn from what our ancestors did and what our parents did to us, and not just learn from it, but change our behaviors, right? Because these are our behaviors, these are our traits, these are all things that were mentally um, projected onto us and taught to us. If we could change these things, the future looks a lot brighter, right? And it starts with these conversations and it starts with people um, being able to hear a podcast like this and be like, huh, I've never heard it explained that way. I've never seen it from that perspective. You mean I can meditate and I'm not acting white? Right? You mean I could go to yoga, right? White people didn't invent yoga, right? It started actually like in India or some shit like that. <laughs> you know? It's like it's really cool to have these conversations.
1: So I want to bring up, um, because one of the things that I think was pretty significant in my personal growth and my spiritual growth was the awareness that I am I am not my physical body. Like I am the awareness of my physical body. And that awareness, because one of the things that we used to think back in the 1990s, because we didn't have a whole lot of brain research, um, because we didn't have technology to really understand how the brain worked, that has really developed in the last 20, 30 years. And so because of technology, and so one of the things that um, what we used to believe is that <clears throat> you were born a certain way, and that there were windows of opportunity within the first five years in life. And once those windows of opportunities closed, too bad for you. So we didn't realize that the brain can continue to grow and develop. And um, we just didn't understand that. What we also didn't understand was that There was this belief system that if you experienced trauma or if you experienced something in your life or that window of opportunity was missed, that you didn't have the possibility to um, change that like at all. It was, like I said, too bad for you, but that. There, that you were a victim of your brain development, that as a result of what happened to you, your entire life was going to be doomed thereafter. It sounds really silly now, but it was really the information that we had at the time. So then in terms of our spiritual awareness, when we started to get an understanding that we, the you that becomes the observer can actually change your thoughts and you can change your feelings but we didn't know that before. We we really thought, and I think a lot of folks who might be listening to this might even still believe that you you think and you feel, and that's as a result of whatever you're experiencing, and you have no control over that.
0: Well, so basically, people think that we're hardwired. Right. Right? That's just it. This is the end. all be all. This is just the way I am. Right? I think right. I hear that a lot to people. People are just like, I'm just this way. Yeah, and I believe that.
1: Yeah, and and he was born bad.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another one yeah. that I
1: hear
0: yeah, a Yeah, you, you were just born that way. You were born with horns. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't get baptized as a baby. <laughs>
1: totally. That's
0: so funny. No, because I shit you not, like growing up, I was baptized, right? But my brother wasn't, right? And he took a little different turn sometimes in life, right? Like he was more of a, for whatever reason, but they use that excuse. Well, Mark had his horns chopped, and Matthew did it, right? Uh, (laughs) Isn't that funny? Right? But we grew up in the same mother-loving household, but if he did something (laughs) bad, it's because he wasn't baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy
1: shit, man. Yeah. So that hardwired piece is we go, yeah, you said it already. That's just who I am. That's how I am. Yeah. Nothing's going to change that.
0: Nothing's going to change. I, I'm like this because, I, because I'm because i my father's son, yep. that I got to continue to do this, right? Where'd you learn that? I learned it from my dad. So that just means I'm going to do what I do in my life, right? I, I need to have like 10 different girls on my black book list every week, right? That's just something I learned. And that's just who way I am. And it's never going to change.
1: <laughs> right. Not
0: realizing right now, let's get back to the emotional state, right? Deep down inside, it was really killing me. But I didn't know that because on the surface, it was, was praised, right? And that's just the way you are since you come from a line of, oh, you're Sanchez's boy. Oh, right. Oh, this, no wonder why you're there. Well, you're just like your dad. And then I believe that shit. We just say, oh, yeah, you know why. And and then we don't get along. And people say, well, you guys don't get along because you guys are so much alike. And no matter how much I don't want to be like him, I ended up like that mother lover, right? (laughs) Until now, where I finally decided to say, wait a minute, I think I have an opportunity to change my mindset. And thank you for the opportunity through books, right? Through watching documentaries to actually following the science, right? Because science is actually starting to catch up to spirituality, right? These spiritual teachers have been talking about this stuff for a long time. But because if we can't see it, well, science is being able to show us what they already knew way back when, right? I guess that's where that, the idea of just trust, right? Just right. know people like us probably just had that knowing and we followed that knowing a little bit, right? For whatever reasons that we're having this conversation. And now we're going to open up that knowing within others through these types of conversations.
1: So let's talk about this awareness piece. You have um, in your teachings, Mark, one of the things that you've talked about is that initial step of becoming aware of your thoughts um what do you how do you guide that what do you suggest to people who are listening who are this is like the first that they've heard of this
0: okay so for instance I'm very witty right and sarcastic right just by nature because that's that's who I am that's who I grew up in in my household everybody was super sarcastic right and super witty so we always I always had to defend myself right and I got really good at it not realizing this that If somebody, let's just say, for instance, words, if somebody was going to throw two darts at me, I was ready with 10 to throw back before it even happened, right? So correlating that to now, that was just how fast my thought process was and then able to spit it out that quickly, right? It just happened that fast. I'm not realizing that that was my thought process, my ability to be aware of my thoughts and then to throw them out, right? So now, right, I think to myself, wait a minute slow down. I'm not being under attack all the time, right? I learned to respond versus react because it got me in trouble a lot. Like some people find it funny that I'm sarcastic, right? And when it's time to be sarcastic, if I'm being a clown or if it's for entertainment um, value at that moment, then it's uh, it might be okay. But when it's to demeanor somebody else, right? And, I, and I've done that for a lot of my life. Now I'm here using my words in, the, in, in, in a better direction, right? In a, in a more uplifting way. But my thoughts, I learned, wait a minute, I could hear them before they even come out of my mouth. And if I could sit with them just a little bit longer, right? Without spew them out. A lot of people say, think before you talk, <laughs> right? If I could sit there and I hear these these thoughts coming in, I no longer respond react to people when I feel like I'm being attacked, right? I stopped taking it personal. Actually, that's one of the great teachings that I've learned is not to take things personally. A lot of the times it's not uh, me, it's the other person and whatever culture brought them up or whatever ideas are in their heads. So now I could sit back and actually listen to what's in my head and sit with it and then feel it, right? And say, do I really want to say that? Or am I going to regret this, right? Before I would just say it, like somebody would say, you, Mark, and I'd be like, Fuck you too, bitch, right? Real quick. Like, I didn't even think about it, but like, but why did I even say that? Well, it's because I was attacked. What if they didn't even mean it in that way, right? And and does fighting fire with fire really help this? the process or the issue? No, 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 no. It's just going to add more fuel to the fire and then it get blow up into something way bigger than they'd even started as, right? So if I could listen and hear my thoughts, right, and just sit with them for a little bit and respond differently, that's where it started for me, right? It's actually slowing down enough to hear these things come out of my head because half the times are not even my thoughts, right? <laughs> a lot of the times I'm not even reacting because that's who I am as a reaction. That's my culture wanted to react when somebody calls me a spick, right? That's my culture wanting me to defend that, right? When somebody calls me a savage, that's my culture wanting me to defend that. And that's years and years of so-called suppression, right? That's years and years of so-called being put down. And I'm just, and I use that, as an excuse to defend, right? Cause I'm always defending, right? We do things to defend ourselves and I would defend myself with words. But once I realized, wait a minute, this is just causing me more and more emotional trauma. Like I don't feel good when I say sarcastic stuff, right? To people like it might feel good for the minute, but then later on, I go back and say, wow, why did I say that? Mm -hmm. Right why did I even say that? And then I feel bad for it later. And if it felt good in the moment, but I feel bad later for it, maybe I might not want to react that way anymore. And so I had to figure out what it was in the moment that's going to help me respond differently. And thanks to books and thanks to watching documentaries and thanks to listening to people as yourself, it it brought new awareness to my mind. Right, And so now I could catch those thoughts. And before I actually say something, I could actually sit there and think about it. Mm
1: Yeah, that process, um, for someone who's never done this before, requires a lot of practice, I think. And and the way that I describe it is like taking a seat from the balcony. It's as though you're watching a play, um, you're watching something just from outside of yourself. So that practice, and I think one of the things that we both recommend is like, just take a couple minutes, even if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes and just be aware of your stream of thoughts what are you thinking in um, in 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 2 minutes like you'll be surprised how many times your brain is like here and there and everywhere and and i have to tell you that the better you can get at this process not only can you start to um, decide what you're going to pay attention to what you're going to think about but you can also start to quiet that part within you so that you can actually find more peace in your life.
0: It is. And you said it is a process and it takes practice, right? You're not going to get it right at the beginning, right? Sometimes it just takes notice. And let's just say your response time is two seconds when somebody um, says something negative to you and you want to react. But if you just take just a few more moments right? And then you respond differently. Are you still responding the same way? That doesn't mean you're not doing it properly. At least you were aware of your thoughts this time, right? At least you were aware because you're not going to get it perfect. That's another thing. We want to put perfection on a lot of this stuff. And we think it needs to look a certain way. Well, so-and-so can do it and they do it this way. I'm just not good enough. So I'm not going to try. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't realize that that person's probably been doing it for a lot longer. And even though we make it look easy, and it sounds like so simple but to you it doesn't that's just because you got to stay consistent with it right don't don't let it bring you down the first time that somebody re- reacts to you or you react in a way and then it gets negative and it blows up to a big fight well next time you know okay then you go and sit with yourself again for 2 minutes and think about that situation and then boom then you then you you you, you build it you know what i mean and it takes once again pick up a book Go look at YouTube. People are on YouTube all the time, and they could teach you so much stuff on there, right? Instead of watching Netflix, go watch YouTube and look up like um, emotional intelligence, right? <laughs> How to feel my thoughts, right?
1: Yeah, that self-awareness piece, you brought up emotional t- um, intelligence. There's actually uh, four significant parts to that. It's self-awareness. It's self-regulation. Um, the social awareness and and relationship skills. And so all of those pieces come together to really help us develop an an internal understanding of how to be in this physical form. And when we align the spiritual part of ourselves, which is that what I call, I say it's an external awareness because for me, it's really kind of looking at myself, my thoughts, my behaviors, But it's also getting connected with my body. So one of the things that as a result of someone like myself who came from trauma, one of the things that I did as a child to survive was I disconnected from my physical body. So when things were happening in my house, when I was experiencing um, feelings of of not feeling safe, um, I would disconnect and I would watch myself kind of go through the experience of whatever was happening. Now, it was a survival strategy, but as an adult, what that did was it created an emotional disconnect for me. And so in order for me to feel in relationships, to understand even my own emotions, I had to kind of get reconnected to my physical body, my emotional state. So one of the things that I say to folks is, you know, and and trauma, let me just stop right here. Trauma is many things. It's not just childhood trauma. It could be that you had a difficult pregnancy and that was traumatic. It could be a car accident that you experienced and that was traumatic for you. It could be a, a traumatic Breakup in a relationship. I mean, there's so many things that can be uh, identified as trauma because it's trauma to you. It's a very personal experience. And so, for what I say to folks, is to get reconnected with their emotions, so their body, their physical experience of emotion. So, spending like three minutes five minutes of just noticing what you're feeling and where you are feeling it in your body without labeling it. Because sometimes what we want to do is, oh, I'm feeling like irritable, or I'm feeling angry, or I'm feeling happy, or whatever it is, without labeling it, just notice where you are experiencing that sensation in your physical body. And and what I do is I imagine um, sort of Being in that experience. So if I'm feeling something in my stomach, I just, and this is a hard one for folks, I think sometimes, but I lean into it. So I allow myself to have the emotional experience without an expectation to change it, without labeling it. It's just having the experience. And I just spend about, like I said, two to five minutes getting reconnected with that emotional state. And if you have disconnected, um, from your emotional state, because this, that shit is too painful. This process might have to start with like one minute or two minute at a time, because it's uncomfortable initially.
0: Very, very uncomfortable, right? Especially when like, coming from me, I'm a, I'm a male, right? And culturally, right? Hispanics, we've been taught to be macho, right? We've been taught to say, hey, you stop acting like a little sissy lala, right? Yep. So and in the beginning of actually doing this, right? Um, well, let's just put it this way the only time i would really become emotionally aware of my emotions and my inner health is if I was drinking in excessive drinking, because then my inhibitions fell down and my guard was let down. So I was able to explore those emotions. But yet it was only through intoxication, right? Well, the minute I started realizing, wait a minute, that's not a healthy way to explore these anyways, because from any minute I could go from emotional to in a rage, right? Right. So, but I knew it was possible to tap into those emotions, right? And so I started to 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 do little practices, right? I, I understood. I started looking up meditations and how to, how to gain um, emotional awareness. And this is going to be funny because a lot of the times when I was feeling anxiety, right? Anxiety would kick in and anxiety would help me tap into my emotional awareness. So I start thinking, where did this come from? Where am I feeling this? Oh, it's on my chest, or heart. And then <laughs> for whatever reason, I would go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet, right? And for whatever reason, sit down on the toilet, maybe it's because I'm by myself and it's something that could help me think and it just calmed and it was nice and cool. I don't know what it was, but now still to this day, if I want to get in touch, in touch with my emotional well-being... I go sit on the toilet, whether I have to go to the bathroom or not. Right. And I just sit there in quiet and silence and it helps me like, that's a tool for me. Right.
1: <laughs> you, should, you, should, um, to, you should make uh, write a book that says <laughs> meditation on the toilet. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it is. It, it it is. And it's, it's really interesting. It's really cool um, because like, here's another way that got me uh, another way that this works and it's cool. And the people that are around you will start benefiting from you doing these types of practices. Right. So I have a brother and he also um, would struggle with anxiety sometimes, but because I understood, right. What he was going through, I could ask him a few different questions. Right. And he'd be like, Hey, and I'm like, okay. So he could give me cues, and I knew not to push him anymore. But I knew to ask him questions that were going to be comforting. That he knew I was here for him, right? And vice versa, when I was feeling a certain anxious way, and you know this stuff because you hang around with people so up, you could notice a change in their behavior, right? He would ask me, "Hey, Darko, are you feeling right?" I'd be like, I don't know, man. I'm feeling alright. He's like, "Well, what do you need?" I was like, "I just need some quiet time." All right go relax. I got you. And you know what I mean? And just that in itself, because I knew him and he knows me and because he was able to, um, relate over to me that he understood what I was going through. It helped calm me down. Right. And it's because we went through similar experiences and we understood that the, what helped us, um, stay cool, calm and collective, right. He didn't try to force me, try to talk me out because he knew how, what he would like he just used the same um, tools to help me and vice versa. So once again, once you start to do this with yourself and the people around you start to get to know you, you'll be able to bounce ideas off each other and help each other through these. Because once again, going through these emotional issues, are they help out when you have others involved, right? It makes you feel comforted when you know somebody has your back. And even though they might not understand exactly what you're going through, they give you that space. And they give you that comfort and they give you that helping hand if you need it.
1: So I want to bring up because you said space and what that did, um, it kind of made me think about holding space. So I, I want to describe this for folks. Holding space is really an art. And when, as you mentioned, if you were experiencing something, whatever it is, if I were to hold space for you, I am really simply being there for you. What you want to share, how you want to share it, if you want to share nothing about what you're experiencing, it doesn't matter really to me. It's about simply providing you the opportunity to experience whatever it is that you want or whatever you're needing to experience without judgment, without trying to fix it, without trying to make sense of it, without trying to pull you out of it. Um, without giving you something to eat so you'll forget about
0: it. pay <laughs> hey, or have a tamale. Right.
1: Yeah, or you're have a be drink. fine miha. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or a drink. Yeah, a yeah, drink. And shout out to so, tequila,
0: it'll cure everything.
1: Right. And so this holding space is giving uh, folks not only space but permission to feel whatever it is that they that they feel. And this is huge because as we mentioned we are uncomfortable with others other folks' emotional state. When someone is sad, there's a discomfort that happens for many of us. When somebody's crying, you're like, okay, I, I just don't know what how to help her. So I'm like gonna offer some food or a drink you know, to make it better, that this holding space really helps both. I, I think there's a reciprocity in the relationship. It's like it gives me the opportunity to extend love, energetically extend love and not go to a place of judgment. And with the other person who's experiencing it, gosh, just to have the permission to feel what you feel. Many of us were not given that as children.
0: Nope. Not at all. Right. It was, you want me to give you a reason to cry?
1: Right. Yeah. Go sit in the corner.
0: Right. Yeah. Go get the belt. You know yeah. what I mean? Chancla, you got to watch out. What? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and right And right now, even in our relationships, right, for my relationships, my experience is when the minute I was in an intimate relationship and somebody started crying and I couldn't understand why they were crying, I was shut down and be like, come on, why are you crying for This There's no reason to be but I'm not understanding what she's going through or what she's been through. And I didn't want to explore that emotional state. Why? Cause it was uncomfortable as fuck right. to me. Right.
1: Yep. And then
0: she felt like nobody was seeing her. She felt like nobody, I, I wasn't, I didn't have her back. Right. And sometimes we think we have to fix things. We have to do it by saying things, but you're right. When you say we're just holding space, I understand this now. I yeah. feel it now. All I had to do was just be there and be comforting and listen or not say shit at all. And just put right. your arms around somebody and just let them there. And that's what the power of holding space. That's the power of silence, right? And that's the power of just sitting there and letting it resonate with you for a while and not forcing somebody, right? We're so used to telling people, just spit it out. Just say it. Just do this. If you do that, you do this, blah, blah, blah. And that's then they shut down, right? Right. But that holy space, that silence is—it is it, it's golden, <laughs> like the library. Silence is golden.
1: Yeah, and so I have a quick story about this. Uh, when I was young, you know, my husband and I got—my uh, husband and I were together for a very, have been together for a very long time. And I think I was probably 20 years old. I came home from work and I said to my husband, I was crying. I had an incident with a child. Child brought a knife to school. He spit in my face. I mean, it was just a horrible situation. (laughs) And um, so I was crying. And I remember he said to me, well, just quit that job. You don't need that job. Just quit that job. And I flew off the house. Ha- I was like, fuck you. I love my job. I love these kids. I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to make it all better. I just want you to listen. Why can't you just fucking listen to me? <laughs> and I mean, I bet you, whoever's listening to this, if you're a woman who your partner is male, um, you may have experienced this where your partner is wanting like, okay, so enough with the emotional part, let's get to the fixing part of this situation. Right. And us women are like, I just want you to listen to me. <laughs> I just want to be seen and heard. Well, I will tell you, we were, we were, we were about the same age. So he, this was, I was 20. Now what he says is he says, sounds like you had a really hard day and that's it. And it's like then he just listens. And it's like changed our entire course of our relationship, that big moment that we had.
0: Yeah, that yeah. that that's amazing. That that is really amazing. And that's the type of um training, that's the type of amazing things that I've read that brought me to the course of my life where I'm at now, right? Is that awareness that uh that 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 skill of being able to be there for somebody, right? And I don't have to understand. I don't have to know why or what, but just being there, just being present, right, is way more than anybody could have ever had asked for, even if somebody doesn't even know how to ask for that, right? Because a lot of times we don't even know that how to ask for that. Or if we ask for it, maybe we want to speak the same language. You say, I just want you to listen. And I'm here and like, I am listening. And it sounds like you need to have a way to fix it. I want to go get that little kid and go... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that little fucker. <laughs> like, who was his parents? Who taught him that? Then you want to go whoop their parents' ass, right? <laughs> How did this fucker get a knife, anyways? You know what I mean? But <laughs> but it's really interesting that now he knows. It sounds like you had a really hard day, right? And that is so powerful. Those little words of just acknowledging that you had a rough one, right? Yeah. And that's a, great, that's a great way. That's a great teaching for anybody listening to this right now, right? Especially if you're a male. The next time your woman comes to you and she's had a rough day, just say to her, hey, sweetie, you know what? It sounds like you've had a really rough day. Um, is there a way I could help you with this?
1: Yep. Right. And if
0: not, I'm here to listen.
1: Yep. Yep. Those are and words. And then that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it, right?
1: And then that's it.
0: Yeah, I I learned them a little late in life, but hey, it's never too late, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that it all stems from self-awareness, right? Because my level of awareness helps me see my discomfort, my uncertainty, my fears, my thoughts. And at that level, we can actually start to make some decisions that we are not a victim of what has happened to us that we can really start to understand the implications of what happened to us, but we can make some different choices about our behavior and our thoughts and even our emotions.
0: Yeah. Our emotions. So we learned, what did we learn? We learned that culture, we learned that our backgrounds, where we come from, it's all a construct, the mental construct that was given to us by others. Right. And that people fell in line with that. And that just because, we've been doing it for so long, doesn't mean that it's set in stone. And once we become aware, then we can start to switch those mental constructs and swipe them out for more healthier ones, right? Our awareness starts to kick in, we can set healthier boundaries, right? We can learn to speak to people differently, respond differently, no more reaction, right? We can learn how to, um, I don't even like to use this word, we, we could discipline the children differently right we don't have to raise a hand up to them we can sit down and actually listen to them and speak to them in a way that gets them thinking about the way they acted and the way they think and the way they feel is the most important tool right the way they feel about something because these emotional um these emotions that are inside of us have been bottled up for so long. And so I like the way we're going, especially with these conversations. We're allowing them to open up so then they don't just erupt like a volcano one day.
1: Yep. All super critical life skills, I think. And And I have to tell you, when we become super aware of all of this, this is where we become in alignment with who we truly are. Ooh. So I think this kind of wraps up. I think this is podcast number four for us.
0: Holy smokers. It is number four. Look at that. (laughs) Just moving along.
1: (laughs) We end today with uh, extending the challenge to you all to become, I think, aware, start becoming aware of your thoughts and your emotional state. And as Mark said, um, if you just take that little phrase, it sounds like you had a really hard day. (laughs) It's a life changer. I promise.
0: Yes. Yes, it's a life changer for everybody. Remember who, you used to be? remember who you used to be.
1: Do you
0: remember what you really?